The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. And tonight we'll discuss the 20,000-year-old Copper Scrolls, which have been translated. A Native American shaman breaks the silence. We'll discuss 5D technology, the three-dimensional vibrational language used by extraterrestrial beings to communicate with us. Why do Native American traditions and indigenous people around the world have stories transmitted via oral tradition for millennia about interactions with beings from outside this world and other dimensions? Greetings to everyone around the world and a special welcome to our new members. Welcome to the Veritas family and make yourself at home. To listen to tonight's full interview and 10 seasons of great material, just click on the subscribe button. And if you want to get in touch with me or to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And by the way, if my voice sounds uh, a bit strange, it's because I'm a little bit under the weather which hardly ever happens, as you know. But I've been on so many planes and gatherings that it happens. And I thought I had MMS, and I did. But since I hardly get sick, it didn't work because the bottles were about three to four years old, so it didn't activate. So I had to order more from gotmms.com or from our website. So next time you hear my voice, I guarantee you, I will be back to normal. So don't wait and don't do what I did if you don't have a MMS or your bottles are more than a year old, it's time to buy it again. MMS is like an insurance policy. It's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Get it at GodMMS.com or the Veritas store. And to tell us more, tonight's special guest is David Lone Bear Sanipas, a Native American artist, storyteller, speaker, a Megaba elder who is bringing the ancient star teachings to the community. The star teachings are an oral traditional passed down through many elders over thousands of generations. They are vibrational teachings that begin with the resonance of kindness, compassion, and happiness. David grew up on a mountain in northern Maine, where he was trained extensively since a young boy, in not only ceremonies and traditions, but also in mathematics, physics, sound, music, and chemistry. David Lombear has been traveling and teaching for the past 42 years, but only recently to non-natives. In 2012, these teachings crossed the threshold, and what has followed has been tremendous. Communities have grown in many parts of the U.S. and Canada, and as each of the teachers are awakened, more information and understanding comes to the surface. These teachings have inspired the local community to begin a nonprofit organization called Star Teachings Society to help deliver the message to 7 million people around the world. And we have his websites linked at ours at VeritasRadio.com. And directly from the state of Maine, I'd like to introduce for the first time on Veritas, David Lombear Sanipas. Hello, David, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Uh, good afternoon. I am well today. And um, uh, here in northern Maine, uh, we're getting, of course, uh, rain and snow uh, this very day. But uh, I'm enjoying uh, being inside today. I am enjoying being inside today. I'm in the desert in Arizona, which I know you're very familiar with. It's a little bit cold, but not as cold as where you are. Yeah, it's not too bad. Uh, the, this fall has been really good. I had a chance uh, to go uh, north where it's like 21 below zero. So, yeah, I get a, quite a climate change. And I do like the, uh, being in Arizona. We're supposed to be scheduled down there in the next couple of months. 
Oh, that's great. Well, let's begin with your story, because you were referred to me by a few of our listeners who sent a few videos, and uh, I was fascinated with, with what you have to say. I'm always fascinated, David, by hearing stories from Native Americans around the world. The Native, I mean, indigenous people around the world, but especially the Native Americans here in the United States. They have a lot of similar stories, and I wonder why this is not more mainstream. Let's begin with that before we dive into your story. Well, I, I think, um, like everything else, is that we're all connected uh, to a, a thread uh, as human beings and similar stories that from the Aborigines to the Native American to uh, all the different uh, Natives out, out there is that um, it's a shared lineage, like a family thing. Uh, some is similar, some is uh, kind of far-fetched, but a lot of it has uh, a, a lot to do with our, our, our culture and where we come from. And I think that um, part of uh, understanding what a story is, is, is that where does a story come from? And uh, most stories are added. A lot of the stuff is left out of it and a lot of it's added. So after a few lineages, uh, that story changes considerably. But most of the truth, um, as a storyteller, most of the truth stay in there. And part of what I do is uh, look into those stories and to see what really has happened and where do those stories come from. Uh, just like uh, when uh, a couple of thousand years from now, when they dig up this archive of you and I, the interview, they're going to say, well, that's quite a story. What did that story change to? So I think that's like in any stories, that's where it's, it's, it is, it's where it is today and what we think the truth is. And that's a very important point because it makes you wonder, If it, these are stories transmitted via oral tradition for thousands of years, how do we discern what is legend from what is truth? Well, that's funny. Uh, I was uh, speaking uh, several months ago just about what stories are, is that we have to think about um, uh, uh, the, the native stories. We talk about the talking animals and things that fly in the sky, things like that. And a lot of it's just interpretation, uh, because I, I know that to this day that uh, I, our history that we put down in uh, in books and stuff like that, that's, it's a perspective of usually a one writer. And they try to get it accurate as possible. But, you know, if you go back to the back to the 1920s and look at books on 1920s, you know, that's only probably 25% of the story. It doesn't give you the interaction, <laughs> the feeling, and all the different points that uh, that story brings. Uh, it's just that what do we believe and uh, what comes through in the spiritual science. Uh, most stories have a spiritual science to it. We talk about the religion, what the spiritual science. There's a book was written about uh, one man and what that uh, looked like in that world, but that was only a perspective of at least 60 or 70 people. And that changed the world. So is what we believe and uh, what we used as today. You know, you, you think about what your culture is and what my culture is and, and what my grandfather told me, my grandfathers, my elders, that um, do they hold true today? Uh, is there a creator? Um, there is some sort of creator there out there. Is there a God? I don't know that. I can't prove it. And I can't disprove it. Is there something else out there that's uh, governing our lives? I don't know on that part, on through our stories, but in our stories it tells of a creator, of a visitor, and visitors that try to help us change the world. 
if you think about that, if you if you go beyond the lineage of that, uh, uh, because most lineages go back to four or five thousand years, um, and we have a date right now we're in 2019, and that's dated from a point of origin of an event, and people don't realize that. But if you go back 20 to 70 thousand years and look into our lineage, um, and, and and pull back a little bit and find out what's really going on. A lot of those uh, historic events that happened, um, Columbus discovered America, uh, birth of Jesus, birth of Gandhi, all the different uh, people out there, uh, they're off uh, a lot, 7 to 25% of their accuracy on time. Even Christmas, you know, we, we think of Christmas, we just went through Christmas and that um, uh, holiday was changed for convenience. But nobody really knows that. Everybody thinks Jesus was born in December. But that was change on convenience. So in a few thousand years, that would be forgotten. And that would be his birth. Because we forget a lot of things that are very important to bring some of the spiritual technology through the time. So if the ancients had a ancient knowledge of the stars, maybe visitors or uh, a few million years ahead of the technology, they will think of this day. Just like I just said a couple of minutes ago, uh, that thousands of years, uh, people are going to go by this interview and, and, and see if it holds true. Same as the, the spiritual technology, you know, what, what, what that is, is what do we believe and what we don't believe and what is the next thing we should do. So I think uh, there's a lot on that topic. You're already opening a, a bunch of great doors that I expected to open later. But you mentioned the talking animals, for example. This is something the Greeks and other ancient cultures discussed thousands of years ago. And it makes you wonder. You, you talk about the, you know, 2019. That's only a, a fragment of our history. And your history, it's, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 thousands of years And it makes you wonder, when you look at the pyramids, you look at all these megaliths around the world, there's a a knowledge gap. Perhaps there was a cataclysm and we lost that knowledge. And who knows, maybe in the past, these talking animals were cloned for some reason. You know, the same people that created the pyramids, perhaps they had the knowledge to, to have animals that were half human, half animal. Do you think this is a possibility or do you think this is just... Legend. Well, as a storyteller, everything is a possibility. Um, I, I know that uh, we talk about talking animals and things like that, but if we really think of it, we, we're looking at a, at a human uh, level. We're looking at things that thinking that we are the most intelligent beings here, and we're trying to understand evolution, the uh, science, and evolution of the stars, and all the different things. And ego kind of plays part of, uh, of what, what that is. And it's like, all right, animals do talk. We just don't understand the language. Um, bees talk, insects talk in some sense, but not in our language. Because we want everything to be in our language so we can understand the universe, everything. But there's um, cultures out there that we've never understood. You know, the, you bring up the pyramids. Um, and I've studied the pyramids for um, several, um, 40 or 50 years on how the pyramids are made and everything. Um, as humans and as a, a spiritual uh, 
people, we cannot make pyramids today. Well, there's, there's no possible way that we can ever come up with the pyramids. And here are we speculating on how they built and everything. Um, until we know how to build them, that we, we, do, we don't know what the technology is or what they were really used for. There's a lot of speculations out there what they were used for. But uh, as, uh, as humans now, that we can't do that. Uh, because uh, we don't we don't think we need to do that because we're we're advanced in science and stuff like that but we're not that advanced so in talking about other things that's speaking um it could have been a, a some sort of translation from uh, maybe other tribes um, maybe it could be translation from um, the bird people or the bear people. I mean, there, there's actual mentions in a lot of our, um, the Copper Scrolls about the bear people, the crystal people, the water people, all the different things, not not only the animals. And most of the time that we could not understand their language or even fathom what they were saying. It's just like what we're doing now in this world is like we're trying to figure out what's going on in this world and we come up with uh, assumptions and and we stick with the assumptions and not re really understanding the truth. I think when I'm out there speaking, um, a lot of people have an assumption when they come and hear me speak. What I'm so I'm going to be speaking about the topics of what's going on today, UFOs, pyramids. But uh, I go beyond that and I and I bring a language into that that we have forgotten for thousands and thousands of years, uh, because the English language doesn't cover the vibrational part of speaking each other. Uh, the English language is um, pronouns, nouns, all the different things, but they don't have the vibration in, into that. So, so we're very limited in what we can speak and really what we can understand because we only can understand the language that spoke to us. Uh, we forgot the vibrational language. And there's people out there that claim to know the vibrational language, uh, but um, there's a couple ways to find out. You know, if you can uh, teach this to somebody else what that vibration is, um, if you um, animals do speak, um, a scientist, because uh, most animals have a vibrational resonance to them, uh, just like your cell phone. Your cell phone has a vibrational resonance. It, it works off four bands of radio, um, and it works, guess what, off a of crystal, uh, technology, uh, iron, uh, silver, gold, um, all the different things that um, – uh, to, to understand what that vibration is. And that is the, the main um, thing that we want in a cell phone is be able to understand what it says. We don't need to understand the machine language or the binary code or all the computer language that bring that. We're looking for the outcome, the language. We don't need to know the technology. In our time, we forgot about the technology um, of the pyramids and all the different things, and we're just wanting the language. Understand what it is, but in order to understand the language, you got to understand the spiritual science of all those um, technologies and what they do. So that's that's kind of what I do in a, in a sense. But um, like I said, it's just for harder to understand. There's a lot of people um, because they have a preset in their mind what um, a spiritual language is. They they don't listen to you, and I think that's most of my problem is trying to. Uh, be able to translate this language and in, to uh, so you can understand the language or the humans. And there is a message here. I mean, there's mostly a, a big message here, but we forgot how to translate it. We forgot how to interpret it or even how to use it. And that's kind of what the star teaching is about. And before we go on, 
I said it before, I want to be able to, to dissect a little bit more of who David Lonebear is. Just give us a little bit of your story beyond what I read on the bio. Um, uh, through the last uh, 25 years, I guess, or, or 30 years, um, I've been pretty well secluded, I guess. Uh, I've been teaching a little bit, but um, not really to the mainstream. I've been more teaching in more of the Native communities Uh, the, the last uh, seven years, I've been um, speaking to the non-natives. So a lot of it is hard to understand that in the non-native world, that you need diplomas and bachelor's degrees and doctor's degrees and all the different degrees out there. And that's really hard to to do sometimes or even even somebody to believe you. Uh, I know the last uh, several months that, that I've been out there and people have been contacting me. You know, said so they said, "What kind of uh, um, engineering degree you got?" I said, "Well, I have a regular engineering degree." Said, no, no. What's the? Do you have a doctorate in engineering? Uh, I don't think I have a doctorate in engineering. Then they stopped listening. So a lot of my teachers, um, over six, uh, maybe six fifty, six hundred fifty teachers, were those engineers were a part of um, the uh, world at the time. And in order to start understand this language, that I had to be versed in everything, from engineering to science to even languages to uh, bring this message across. So I'm not very good at this English language. Uh, I, I, I dribble through it. Uh, but most of my language I speak, I speak in metaphors. So if I tell you a story, um, every letter, uh, um, how would you say it? Every letter is coded, spaced, uh, capitalized, period. Everything on, on what I say, it's mostly a, a metaphor when I'm speaking. Uh, so if you look at Mary Had a Little Lamb, every letter on, on Mary Had a Little Lamb is a metaphor of another metaphor. So we, we are trying to understand that spiritual language. And that's what it's going to take is that. We're going to have to speak a little bit at a different language than what we're speaking now in the understanding. When you say you speak uh, with metaphors, is it because you feel that you conceptualize the subject better? For example, you know, we're going to talk about how extraterrestrial beings, and I know you don't like to use that term, but the way they communicate is more concept. In other words, if they need to convey apple, instead of saying apple, they basically transmit the vision of an apple. Is that what you're trying to accomplish? No, that's not, that's not the way they, communi they communicate. Um, the way that uh, what I know and uh, what I was taught is that the community, because we're so off on that communication, uh, it's like us trying to receive a cell phone signal um, through through our brains. Uh, it's possible, but it's the translation that's the, the hard decoding. Part. The decoding. So when you think of an apple. Uh, you, uh, this is a coding. Uh, if you, if you kind of, uh, if you knew of um, another species on this earth that comes from another world, and then that translation would be a, a more of a visual number code. It'd be point 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 zero point point three point point nine. That and that will visualize an apple. But this is, but you don't use your regular number technology for that. It is a, it is a vibration. Uh, if you would sing it, it would be a more of a, a, a song that is in a visualization that uh, goes into the DNA, encodes the DNA, and comes up with a picture 
they're not transmitting it. They're just um, unlocking of what you know. And everything that they know that's in your DNA, that's it's, it's, in, it's in there, is that you'll be able to, to um, unlock that and visualize of not only an apple tree, it'll be an apple tree with um, probably uh, 2,800 different apples uh, with 2,800. Um, 2,800 different other makeup of DNA. It, t- it will give you all the number pa- uh, number patterns of how to make a tree from from that from that just that number. So it, it is giving you part of that technology. As humans, we visualize. We have eyes. Um, most of the the species I know they do they have the eyes, but they receive them uh, through electromagnetic fields through the eye, and some of that is transmitted through information. What I just said. And uh, they have uh, little um, um, things in their brain and in their body that can transmit and receive. We can transmit and receive. We mostly receive. We forgot how to transmit. So, you said something very interesting before the discovery of America by Christopher Columbus. So I don't, I don't need to tell you this that he didn't discover anything. He just basically established the routes for Europe when there were elders here and tribes all over the United States who had received and bartered with different civilizations from all over the world before Columbus came here. But when you look at the, again, pyramids and architectural uh, feats that were all over the world that have very, very similar architecture, something tells me that at one point in our human life, perhaps millions of years ago, There was a universal language, a universal way of being where the the world was connected, not the way it is in the last two, three thousand years. Would you agree with that? I agree with that. And there's if you look at your history and all the different histories of the world, you know, there is a, a commonality in our languages. There is a commonality in, in the structures that we've built. Uh, I mean, there's even in the Empire State Building, you can relate that to the Great Wall of China uh, or different architectures out there. But you just you just don't know how to look at most. people don't know how to look at how that was uh, achieved. So in, in like 50 thousand years they're gonna they're not gonna know how we made the empire stable <laughs> so but if that's the case and we cannot replicate again i hate to continue just banging on the pyramids but if we cannot replicate it today is that proof that we have de-evolved with technology and other aspects of our lives i think we're evolving uh, the way we're supposed to be evolving but uh, i think that we have a couple of things that um we get confused on And one of that is um, love and peace, uh, and that stems back to how we look at things. Uh, we think of uh, if, if love was in the, the existence the way we wanted to be existence, we wouldn't have war right now. Is that part of the war is a evolution in the spiritual self? Uh, not only um, in uh, there's no one person to blame, but in that spiritual self is understanding that. We don't need to kill each other by the droves. We don't need to take over countries. You don't need to take over things like that. That we the understanding, of forgetting that. In our in our history, it says that 70,000 years ago, the world was in peace. And if you go, if you read down through the scrolls, it says, if you read what worlds are, it says worlds. The spell was an S on the end of it. So when you when we think of this world, we have to think of thousands of the worlds where we travel from. And of course, that we want to 
believe in that there's a heaven and earth. I'm sure that there's a heaven and earth out there somewhere. But um, and to be able to believe it exists on our earth, um, we're still warring. So I don't think we really believe that. I don't care what you think. Is that um, I don't think we really believe that because if we did, we would at least be um, in a world of peace looking for an answer to the stars. So, What is the common denominator that creates wars? I mean, right now in the past, you know, this country, we have been at war for over 90-some percent of our history as a nation. Before that, other you know, empires in Europe, China, Mongols, you name it, everybody was, has been at war for thousands of years. If there was a time where there was peace, what caused the warring? What, what was introduced that changed the way we used to be? Um, in, in our culture, in the Copper Scrolls, it says at one time, the, the individual self um, was, um, we, we look for this all the time. We look for uh, being in peace with the world, being in peace with yourself, being in peace with the community, being, you know, being one with yourself. We've, we've lost that. It, uh, it broke up uh, many years ago because uh, at one time, the compassion Happy, uh, kindness, compassion, happiness were together. They weren't separate, and um, that was uh, that was the inner peace that what we are looking for now. Uh, when we start uh, thinking about ourselves, um, I anticipated your question uh, uh, before we went on. If you go on my um, my um, website, I posted a picture. Uh, and look for that picture, and that, that gives you your answer, what you just asked me. That's the answer, is that we are, we uh, took something and made it ours, that we can't make anything ours. The only thing that we can make ours is, is, is understanding. You know, we took something individual and said, this is mine, and uh, what's below it's mine, and what's around it's mine. And, and, and when we did that, we've lost some of that. Um, that uh, being one, because right now you think about it in the world. What makes us us? What makes us? You know, is it our house? Or is it our car? Is it the uh, the rings that we wear? Is it the money that we have? I mean, is that inner peace? Is that uh, love? Is that compassion? But you know, people have a misconception of that, and 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 I think that's in this world now. Some of that, uh, we're right now, um, we're in the dark ages of spirit. And when I say that, it's like, okay, everybody's heading in different directions and trying to come answers to what the creator is and everything else. And uh, isn't this what we've been doing for the last 500 years is uh, trying to figure out what the light is and where we come from and everything else? And, and, and that division, what, what, why was that division happen? Is that when we start claiming things, uh, when we start uh, claiming money will make us happy or gold or silver. That's when it kind of took over because then it's ours then. It's not yours. I wanted to leave the primordial questions for later, but I'll <laughs> ask you now. Who okay. are we? Who are we? Where do we come from? Where are we going? Well, uh, you, I tell people to take this with a grain of salt. Um, we are, this is what it says in the Copper Scrolls. I will quote the Copper Scrolls. We are the star people. We are from the stars. That's pretty basic what it is. Is there anybody's looking? We're definitely from the stars. Um, 
uh, we did not um, evolve from mud, uh, creatures crawling out of the water into the mud and into the trees and, and into that. We are from the stars. I mean, that's one explanation. But my belief in what I've seen as a scientist and what I've seen as a human being, what I've seen as a, a father and a grandfather, that I mean, I, I, I used to do a lot of reading and even in the Bible, it says that we are from the stars. No matter, some people um, look look over that, but all the different uh, texts out there that says we are from the stars. We are travelers from the stars. And this is um, more sometimes a grand central station. And Earth is not the most important star out there. And we want to say, oh, yeah, Earth is this. But remember, there's if you look into the universe, the pathways of our travel from Vega to where we are now, that they're islands, islands to another island to another islands. And we didn't just come here from Vega. We can go back to Vega, but uh, we can come here you know, through thousands of years. And if you look at our how our Earth is populated, we did the same thing on the Earth. We populated one part of the Earth and just kept on traveling. And we're, we're still traveling. This is not the end. This is not the, 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 even near the end. This is one of the islands the islands of the stars. Let's talk about, since we're discussing, I want to leave the Copper Scrolls for later, but I think it's important to discuss it now. Let's talk about how the Copper Scrolls, uh, where do they come from? Multi-pronged question, David. Where do they come from? How did you obtain them? How were you able to translate them? And how were you able to determine their age? Well, um, Smithsonian had a piece of the copper. They, can they, they took a piece of it and translated it. Uh, that down to age, they did a, a carbon-14 test. It's really hard to do on copper, but they uh, kind of brought it into at least a 5,000-year range of where it was from, at least uh, 19 to 20,000 years old. Um, they're, uh, they are, they are um, copper that's been refined. As the most raw copper that you see, you find, uh, they're not refined. Now, most of the impurities are, are still in there. Um, the, the refined copper, the, all the impurities are taken out, and, 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 uh, and there's what they it's called what a copper lace. And what a copper lace is, it's copper on top of copper, compressed tonnage to make a, a very thin layer of copper that's very strong. Um, so that's, that's determining what the age was, where they come from, and our ancestry is from the ancients. And the ancients has been here at least 70,000 to maybe 80,000 years. And we, we date it back to, um, a, um, of course, the European history of 70,000 years. And you guys talked about Atlantis. And it, it takes us back to that time. And, and, it, and it does explain a, a little bit about Atlantis, but it doesn't mention Atlantis like you mentioned in your history. Uh, Atlantis was only mentioned uh, probably one time in one of your history books. Like by Plato. People, by Plato, yeah. And they people talk about the Atlanteans, all the different things. I'm not saying that that's not true. I'm just saying that it's, just, it's harder to prove that and because I've, I've done a lot of research on Atlantis and where it came from, and I really can't find anything beyond 1852 or 1850s of, of, of any more mention of that in, in any of the histories or the sciences. I'm not, like I said, I'm not saying it's not true. I just didn't do all my history on that. But it mentions in our time that... Um, what Atlantis was in, 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 your, in your history, it was an island. And that, that island was technology or advanced people. 
in our scrolls, it says it's a ship. Um, it's a ship that's 27 miles round with a dome, and it <clears throat> stayed four to five miles above the Earth. A ship as in a spaceship? Uh, I don't know if it's a spaceship, but it's a pretty big island, and there were, then, and there were um, uh, seven of these islands on this Earth. And each one had the population within it, and they um, uh, they shared some of the technology, uh, so the uh, and some of the other things that uh, helped the Earth. But what a ship! You said is it levitating or is it above water? It's levitating. It's levitating. Yeah. Any idea where this could have been located? Um, it's never went away. Never went away. So it's still here. You say it's still here. Yeah. And where would it be? Right now? Yes. Uh, it's probably off the coast of um, California. Remember, there's seven of these things. So uh, it's probably off the coast of California. The one are here is probably up towards Crater Lake right now. And you can, you can, see, you can't, you can't see them on radar if, if they're right, because most of them are, are pretty well cloaked. So I've seen several of them. So, okay, now you're opening another door. You said that you've seen them. And they're cloaked. So if they're in different places and they're cloaked, who is behind this? Does it mean that the Atlanteans never left then? They never left, no. Have you had inter interactions with the Atlanteans? Um, well, we don't call them that. That, that. that is mentioned in your history books, but they're called something else. So we now, but, but, coined but the I'm term. Pretty sure, yeah, that you coined the term. I'm pretty sure they're the same <clears throat> because... Um, uh, if you think of your history of your UFOs and encounters, and there's there's a thousand things out there that say they're there. Uh, I've, I've seen a couple pretty good videos of, of you, you guys could see them on a on a good day. Right? They haven't went away, no. And and a lot of them are are, are causes that they they do fly in and out of uh, your Earth's atmosphere. They're in. Our Earth's atmosphere, they have their own um, flying machines. <clears throat> I mean, they've been interacting with your history for the last 50,000 years. If they're so advanced technology-wise, why wouldn't they just be in the forefront and allow this warring and, and the division that we see all over the world? Why would they allow it? Would, you, would the, the population believe it? You know, uh, would... Um, what what would what would be the cause of our our spiritual evolution? You know, if if we're given a pie, that we can eat that pie today, but if we learn how to make the pie, that we would never war again. Oh, I um, see. So yeah. you're saying that they don't? It's the whole non-intervention. They want us to evolve on our own. Well, yes and no. Uh, in, uh, we can involve ourselves into war, which we have. Our, our governments. So we, we talk about governments, but we have to talk about something with the governments, with the communities around them. Uh, is it, if we don't want war, it's going to be, we have to get the communities together and say we don't want war. But we don't have that tech, well, we have the technology now. We didn't have the technology seven years ago. Uh, but uh, these, whatever you want to call them, has sent a, a teacher among you to help you to understand what war is and what war is not. But are we willing as um, spiritual beings to listen? And 
Is it because done of it. is it because most people are skeptical? Um, yes and no. Um, but people want the the fuzziness, the the fluffiness, the 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 rainbows and unicorns and peace on earth and love and all this stuff. New age. But it, uh, yeah, and it doesn't really work. Um, and that's hard for me. Most people walk out of my uh, speaks because when I they hear me speak, oh great. But when I really get into it, people say, no, that's not true, and they walk out. And I've, every talk I ever did, and people walk out. Because you're so, shattering their beliefs. Yes. But it's, I'm not saying that I don't believe them. I don't, it said that we should welcome all the beliefs of this world. Right. If you, if you, if you believe in Mickey Mouse as a god, we, they, we should welcome them into the communities. Because how do we know we're right and they're wrong? Because I don't. I don't know if I'm right or wrong. But I know what I know, what it was giving to me. And that's what I teach is that I don't teach the truth. I teach the, the light of the truth. You know, this is very interesting what you're saying, because for 10 years, I've been saying that I'm an open minded skeptic. But the word skeptic has always bothered me because it has has a negative connotation, almost as if I'm approaching you with a an intention of discounting what you're saying, which is the word skeptic is. Instead it of is. that, I'm going to start using the word curious. That doesn't mean that I believe. That doesn't mean that I know. But I have an intention of learning something new. I then make a decision based on what I've learned to do with it what I want. But it's better to say curious than skeptic. Would you agree? I agree. And that puts you on the road of the light. And light is not spelled L-I-G-H-T. And how do you spell it? Well, figure it out. Now, a lot of times is that the star teachings has codes, different things that we need to look. And we say of light, what does of light mean? mean? Does that mean that you are lifted up to another uh, level on the stairs to, to, to see the mountain better? Or are, are you climbing to a hill for enlightenment to see the sunrise? So there's, again, that goes with the... Uh, with the metaphors is that that the spiritual mind has a hard time with the English language, but on the vibrational language, uh, we understand really what the truth is. But well, like you said, our uh, our non-belief uh, closes our eyes, not our physical eyes, our spiritual eyes. You know, somebody. This is not a religious show at all, but we discuss everything on this platform. And somebody brought to my attention the other day saying the word Christ comes from crystal. And he was saying that Jesus Christ was a, instead of a carbon-based life form, was a silicon-based life form. Have you ever heard that before? I have. Um, and we, we do worship the silicon-based silicon life form. Uh, we're talking through it right now. Oh, you mean technology? Technology, right. Now, what's your take on trans, uh, transhumanism and singularity? Well, every spiritual body is connected uh, to itself and through different light fibers. Uh, you connect it to your heart, your liver, all the different critters inside you that make you, you, you. So if you take that away, um, because the, the critters, uh, when I say critters, the, the bacteria, all the things that make you, you, but you don't think that makes you, you, um, everything that, the, that you have to eat, food to take energy from the sun so you can use it to discover stars and and the universe and stuff like that um the the symbiont of, of that is the blue light inside of you that has 
um, smaller than small. Uh, we, we did find it, but it's very small inside you. And that um, um, exists as a spiritual self, uh, yourself in, in this world. And, and that's how, really, if we took all the other life forms away, it would be just stars. <laughs> People don't realize that we'd be stars among on this earth. And then we, we were looking at blue stars from blue stars and blue stars. What makes us different from each other is our, our the way that we think, the way where we come from, how we um, use that energy to transfer to somebody else in um, kindness, compassion, happiness. Uh, and th- th- that's really what we are, is that we are compassionate, physical beings right now but we're, we're, we're trying to discover love and kindness and all that but we're not really looking at that as a individual we, we keep on thinking um, heaven and earth um, um, spirit and holy ghost uh, spirit guides but if you break it down that you're just one most beautiful blue light that you ever can possibly imagine every human being every cell in your body every physical uh, bacteria that's on the, even the bad bacteria is that blue light but we keep on thinking them as a light switch water a fly a cricket they, they get life forms inside of them and life forms inside of them we're not seeing the real self and when when you say that, that's what I think about, and that's, that's what I was taught. You know that we are of energy, always be of energy. And right now, this is like a little pit stop for us. Uh, it's uh, probably um, eighty four seconds in spirit years that we exist in this life form, but we don't see that. We see that as you know ninety to a hundred years we live here and uh, get to know the world. But when we're born, we know we know more things about the universe that we can possibly imagine is that when we come into this existence and trying to come up with an understanding of who we are, that's when we get confused. I keep if saying, people, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I keep saying that I'm going to detour to talk about other things before we go back to the scrolls, but you keep opening their interesting doors. What you just said about we're here for 90 years, if you're lucky. Uh, but in, in the scheme of things, it's just like a microsecond. In, yes. When it comes to the the, the the spiritual lifetime, this is almost like a, an amusement park. We just do a ride, we go to a ride that we call life on earth, and then we move on to others. What have you learned in terms of uh, where we come from as spirits? Why here and where do we go afterwards? The whole reincarnation, do we return? Do we get recycled, our souls? Tell me more about what you've learned about this. So what you just asked me, you, you asked me you know, 12 different questions. I'll answer the first one. Yes. <laughs> okay. Where do we come from? Well, we're from here, uh, of course. And we keep on thinking we traveled thousands of miles. But if you look at an existence and you talk about reincarnation, yes, we're in reincarnation over here, maybe a couple hundred years, maybe a thousand years that we stay on this planet. But there is, and again, you have to go back to the first question, the beginning and end, and there is no beginning, there is no end, and and we try to, uh, as scientists, to say, oh, the Big Bang, or life formed as a little energy particle, yeah, that might be one existence, but as I know, and what I learned from the ancients and and the, my teachers, there is no end. Uh, there is just forever, and forever point three, and that means that you know, we're in a vast, vast energy river that um, we do not have imagination. 
and I, and I, people argue and say, I don't have a You don't have imagination. Everything that you possibly think of from being a, a clown with a foxtail that you're a president, you've done. Every, and there's room for more. I mean, uh, that's, that's what we think in our head. Uh, there's room for more and more and more. And there's, there's no, never no end because you go to another world, it's going to be an, another experience all over again. Now, this might be part of 1% of that teaching because, you know, we keep on thinking uh, the beginning. Well, what was the beginning? Who's creator? Um, has everybody ever stopped and thought? They might be the creator, you know, in this existence, because we are that powerful so that we keep on thinking our bodies will die, but uh, we will turn into energy. You keep energy turns into something else always, and always another existence, always a another uh, a vacation in the spirit world. I would call it. So, I always say that the biggest conspiracy of all is the secret to our own potential. I mean, we are co-creators. But if you look back at what you just said, that, uh, you know, we come here and we go. But again, and I hate to sound like a broken record and point at the pyramid. It's just I do that because it's the simplest way to point at that specific place. But if a cataclysm occurred and humanity was almost wiped out, do you think that event has happened multiple times and we've had technology? It's like if something happens right now. And a thousand years down the road, they dig and they find iPhones and they find plastic bottles. They'll say, oh, those were the plastic people. And they had these little, you know, square, rectangular little things. Has this happened multiple times in our past? It has happened over 100,000 times and more. So why is it that we keep repeating the same mistakes? Uh, because we don't believe. Um, we don't believe in our own spirit. We don't believe in our own path. You know, we, we look at um, what um, our science says about our history. We look at um, YouTube. <laughs> we look at all the different things. Um, growing up, I didn't have the luxury of YouTube and the Internet. And I had my elders. I, had, uh, I spent uh, thousands of hours in libraries and teachers. I, I seek teachers out on some of this knowledge. But and again, here I am in your world, and, um, and, and people ask me a question. I answer it, and they says that's the answer is too fast. I go, what am I supposed to do? Philosophize it? You, you're looking for the answer. The answer is here. The spiritual experience that we are looking for, the spiritual uh, direction that we're looking for, but we just don't believe it because it's too easy. We want it all all. Uh, misty and um, fuzzy and voices and all that stuff. Um, they want the mystery of it, but uh, a mystery upon a mystery is we're here. We're the creators. We're, we're creators of our own dreams. We're the creators of of what we want to do. All we have to say what we want is speak it out loud, and then we have it. I think most people's right now they want to. They want to have gratification, immediate gratification. They want to avoid pain at all costs. And they don't want to accept the fact that, you know, our history is full of pain. And maybe by forgetting about it, it goes away. Yeah, but uh, pain is part of our, our, our contract. Right. Uh, yeah, And that contract is that we are go going to be a, a land-based humans that we have to obey the law of gravity. 
And when you beta the, the, the physical attraction that you're going to have to have something to repel it, and something to repel it is the nervous system. The nervous system feels pain, but it also feels pleasure, warmth, comfort. But it is part of that ex exception that we're here. Uh, in, in the spiritual world, there's no pain. Uh, so I, I know that, but we're the ones that... Uh, accept it the most. Animals feel pain, bacteria feels pain, all the things, life forms on this earth feels pain. It's not a punishment. It's just part of the existence of being here. Well, you said something interesting again. Uh, you know, for example, we're, we're a bunch of hypocrites, including me. I eat meat, but do I want to see what happens in a slaughterhouse? I don't. That makes me a hypocrite, and I'll be the first person to admit it. I want to be able to transition from that. But if I become vegan or vegetarian, isn't a plant that I killed in order to eat suffering too? Yes. Uh, if you look at the way that we're here, all, remember when I first said, all life is that blue light. And, and we keep on thinking that something's equal to us, that uh, it's less than us. If we think of a cow as less than us. Uh, maybe spinach might be less than us, but we don't hear it um, being in pain. But if it is a um, life form, it does experience pain. So I'm not saying that you should be a vegan or vegetarian or anything like that, but our existence here, we now, if you look into these copper scrolls really closely, and you go into some of my uh, talks and uh, lectures and teachings, we have a solution that we don't need to eat meat or plants. And that is uh, written in the copper scrolls, how that's done. Um, how does plants um, exist in this world? What do they harvest? What do they have to um, give up? What is the main synthesis uh, of, of energy? Well, is, photosynthesis. But what's beyond that? What's beyond photosynthesis? Now, how does that plant do that? Well, there's a combination of many things. You have the sun, you have light, you have water. Yeah, that, 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 that's the mixture, but what is the main ingredient? Now, why don't you give us the answer? The sun. I was going to say the sun, but I thought it was to us a simplistic answer. And uh, if you go back into the Bible and read what Moses did, that he escaped from the Egyptians, he freed his people from the Egyptians. I'm losing then, your uh, voice, by the way. If oh, you I'm sorry. To, yeah, How, thank you. How's that? Yeah. Uh, if you um, look... Uh, to, to the, the Bible in the, how did Moses do it? Um, what what uh, started that? Um, he he uh, took his people from the Egyptians and uh, freed them from slavery. But I couldn't really find that in the history. Uh, that was mentioned in the Bible, but some of the um, the history part didn't um, depict that that way. Uh, but uh, he, they were escaping. Uh, how did he survive in the desert for 40 years? Uh, what was the, the ingredient there? And then the Bible uh, says it, the Dead Sea Scrolls had a little bit mentioned of it and some of the other writings, the Testaments. It says that they had a mana machine. And I looked that up. I said, what in the heck's a mana machine? And I, I looked through it and it does mention it in, in the Indian scrolls and all the different things. And what it is, it, it takes... Um, uh, out of the air, some, some of the bacteria out of the air, it makes it into a pliable food. And I've made something similar to this, and it kind of worked. And I'm, I'm not much for eating bacteria, but um, I ate it, and I survived off it for at least 
But is the bacteria transmuted into something that is is used as energy? Edible. Are you talking about yes. uh, sun gazing here? No, no sun gazing. I suggest nobody should do sun gazing. But um, the the if you look at a light particle, the light particle comes through the the atmosphere and hits the atmosphere. It's destructive, or it could be um, both. It could be destructive and beneficial. Positive or negative ions. Right. And um, if you look at the true energy of the body, it works off of positive and true ions uh, that when we uh, eat um, from grass, we're taking from the, some of that ions and transmitting that to heat energy. That heat energy is exchanged over to proteins, whatever else that's in our body. Part of that is that um, that we can exist from that, but uh, we need some way to extract it from the sun. And there's several machines that the copper scores how to do that to make a elixir and to um, have it more beneficial than meat because meat uh, is probably 60% protein that you could use. Rest is extracted through waste. Uh, but um, the body itself, uh, we, we do extract some of the sunlight through vitamin D in the sunlight that uh, helps us, but there's all the spectrums of the energy in the sun that we can survive from that. And there's a way to do that. Is there a machine, a proof of concept that is operational right now, and have you used it? Uh, six questions. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, on all of six questions. And, and can you describe what the machine does and what comes out of it? And are you actually put it in your mouth? Is that the way you consume it? In the copper scrolls, I will quote the copper scrolls. The copper scrolls is that the light that travels of energy through air that makes contacts with any object in the air, light slows down a very small percentage, very, very small percentage. It's hard to measure. And part of that um, uh, slowing down is exchange of energy. So anything that that light particle exchanges it would exchange a part of energy particle to that. Uh, and, uh, but uh, you have to have it in that light form uh, within one-tenth of a mile, I guess. Uh, and, but if you um, – I, I won't give you the exact description, but I can give you the concept. If you take a, a gold – a piece of gold, 100% uh, gold, and you stretch it out to probably uh, 10 times thinner than the hair and stretch it out to, let's say, about a tenth of a mile – and put that in the sun's wave, that will affect the sun's um, energy in that um, gold particle, and it would exchange a particle from the energy to the gold. And um, if you had a thing that you can harvest this um, elixir, um, uh, you could um, um, harvest it from the sun um, with no loss of, in of probably... 9% of energy from the sun, and, and uh, it'd be elixir. It would kind of look like um, um, pear juice, clear pear juice, and have a, a nectar a, a taste to it. There's no connection here between monatomic gold and what you're saying, right? No. But there's correlation here between this and the Baghdad battery? Um, uh, no, uh, the Baghdad battery, uh, they thought that was a thing for uh, gold plating. Um, I did look into that. Um, there might be a, some sort of light source to that, too. But they use some kind of like a grape juice in order to activate it. Oh, urine. Oh, was it urine? Yes. That's the most uh, 
um, active ingredient you can use and better than orange juice. <laughs> Urine. Many yes. people consume it. They they swear by it. I've had people telling me, try it, Mel. <laughs> I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm not, me either. I'm not that brave. <laughs> okay. Your opinion on this, and somebody I interviewed many years ago told me, everything, and I'm talking about everything, that your body produces is a pharmacy and can be used to cure anything. Do you lend credence to that? I do, yeah. I'm, a, I'm also a chemist and a chemical engineer, so I understand that even the sweat that comes off your body yeah, that has uh, actually has protein in it. And, and, and protein? Yeah, and it does, it's consumable by bacteria. <laughs> and that's what gives you your stink. Uh, the, some of the bacteria that you smell is the waste of the bacteria. Well, but isn't that a way of our body? I mean, you have... Uh, You know, you go to the bathroom or you sweat it or you have saliva and you have other things in order to get rid of the toxins. Isn't that toxins? Well, um, uh, toxins is only in general. If in other words, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but what comes out shouldn't come back in? Well, in a sense, uh, it has to come back into a different way sometimes, <laughs> I guess. Just like when we eat uh, apple pie, you know, um, we, eat, we consume an apple from a tree. Uh, we get probably 83% protein. Uh, we cook it. The, the, the protein goes the, goes down. The mineral goes down. So it depends on how we consume it and how our acids are, are going to break it up. Uh, we have to be very careful with that because if we have uh, something that's very toxic to the body, it will kill us. So you have to do a lot of research. <laughs> This is all fascinating, folks, and we have to take a one and only intermission for a second. But when we come back, correct me if I'm wrong, but you probably know the date, October 4th, 1967. Shack Harbor UFO incident. You were asked to go there. I want to know when we come back, don't answer, don't answer now, who asked you to go there, and what can you tell me about that very important UFO incident? I also want to go back to the scrolls, the prophecies, the unlocking of wisdom, and so many other questions that I have. And this is one of those interviews where I just wrote a lot of notes. They don't connect with one another, but you'll be able to see it in the end. How can people learn more about your work, David, and your services and so on? Um, go online. I just uh, Google the star teachings and, and my name. You're going to come up with thousands of different things that you can look at. And we have three sites. We have your website, which is lonebearsarch.com. And we yep. have two two Facebook accounts. But if you go to VeritasRadio.com and look on for this particular episode, you'll be able to link yourself that way. Folks, yes. don't go anywhere. I'm here with David Lombear, Sunny Paris, and much more when we return. This is Mel Fabregas, and you are listening to Veritas. See you in the member section. Thank you for listening to the first part of this very important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the members section or subscribe at VeritasRadio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, and other great products. Thank you. <laughs>